always remember to take away a, a positive learning experience from everything that you do. You know, even if it was, it was hard, it was something you never want to do again. What did we learn? What did we learn? How did we grow from this? What did this add to us, you know, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, uh, you know, never, never forget that because I think that all these little things and all these experiences, personally and professionally, all kind of create who we are and, and evolve us and our skill set. Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. Welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have Jennifer Kaminsky, entrepreneur and social media marketing expert, and also co-founder of the Two Korean Girls Restaurant Concept. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. Excited well, to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. You've got <laughs> such an interesting story. Um, but as we always do, let's hop right in. What was your okay. first job in hospitality? Oh, so this is funny. So my very, very first job in hospitality, I must have been, I, I couldn't drive yet. So I must have only been 15 mm -hmm. um, because my friend who was 16, she would drive, drive us to work. She got the job first and then was like, oh, come work here. Like the people, it's fun. It's cool. But it was as, uh, I don't even know what my title was, but it was at like a, one of those small town buffets called Ponderosa. And our job was refilling the salad bar. So that was all we did was just re constantly refill the salad bar. So you were um, a buffet runner for the Ponderosa. Yeah. yeah, it was one of the, that was, it was the first time I'd ever, you know, I grew up in the restaurant business with my mother um, having a restaurant now for 30 years, but that wasn't fun. You know, like when you're a teenager, like, oh, let's have fun jobs with our friends that we can like hang out with and whatever. So here I am at Ponderosa and it was horrifying. Um, I'll be honest. I was Why? like, I don't know. It just was like the food was, it was, I mean, everything came out of a can, you know? So like, it was just, it was just like so startling to, to, to see and the volume of which these things had to be replaced. And literally, you know, we're just back there opening things up out of cans <laughs> refilling and, and and running food to like fill these stations um 
Yeah, it was. So, yeah, so that was kind of horrifying. Uh, I think that was also too, probably the first time when I was like, it, it gave some contrast to having grown up in the restaurant business. I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, wow, like my mom makes real food. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. See, that's the quote right there. So where, where, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in uh, actually a small town in northern Indiana outside of um, South Bend. Um, so, yeah, super tiny, like little town. Um, it was interesting. And what kind of restaurant did your, your mom have? Yeah. Korean restaurant. Yeah. So she's, she's always had it. Well, I, okay. I say Korean restaurant, but her first restaurant was, was in said small town. And the only way for her to actually open the restaurant was that she had to, I mean, I remember she had, she had so many things on there. She had, she did breakfast, like American style breakfast in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, she had pizza on there. And then she had like a couple of like American style, like, you know, dinner type entrees, some Chinese offerings, and then a very small amount actually of Korean food on there because nobody knew what Korean food was. They didn't know. They weren't familiar with it. So she was kind of making food for the market, slowly integrating and introducing it and kind of teaching people what Korean food was. She was there for a handful of years. That was so funny. And, um, and then moved and then she moved into another restaurant and actually had to do the same thing. So when she moved into her next restaurant, that must have been probably 25, so like 25 years ago, um, she moves into this restaurant uh, in a slightly bigger market, but it was this very traditional for ages, like old school Italian restaurant. And so they had a very steady patronage there um, that came for the Italian food. So the owners um, that sold a tour to um, have two menus so that they could support the customers that were coming there. So she had one menu that was Italian and then one menu, same thing, that was like Chinese, like traditional kind of Chinese and Korean on there. And then slowly, uh, you know, I think over the course of probably like six months or a year, like slowly started phasing out the Italian items. So now it's one instead of one page, it's, you know, it's now it's five items now it's two items that's you know and then now okay all right we're not doing this that's anymore. pretty wild that's like an italian <laughs> yeah, korean right. fusion right basically well, it was, two different it was, menus it yeah two different menus different. yeah it yeah. was but it was the only it was the it was the best strategy it, yeah, this is the day and age where there's i mean there's no social media there's no you know you're not getting press you're not getting things like you normally would so right. an effort to keep the customer base and then kind of gently introduce them to something new you're talking about, you know, somewhat ruralish Indiana folks. You know, they they don't know. Yeah. They don't and they don't so, want to know. <laughs> right. Like you grew up. You must have been, I guess, like you said, in a small town in Indiana. You were the I guess very exotic being there, right? With your oh, your family. Oh, oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. It was uh I think uh we were quite the anomaly, that's for sure. Um, yeah. So I think that as a child, like it, it didn't make any sense to me. Like I didn't know, but like looking back on it now as a, as an adult and having been in like business and marketing, that was honestly, that was the, that was the best way to, to survive or to um, not have a discontinuance really like in, in service and sales, right. Is somebody else had something that was working well. They're willing to help, you know, bridge the gap until you can make it work. Okay. You know, there was no other way to to really like cost efficiently advertise otherwise, right? Right. So, so you're, you're growing up there. 
And is that something you fell in love with was the restaurant industry or you're like, this is not what I want to do as I get grown up? Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, absolutely. This is not what I want to do. You know, mm -hmm. I think I probably everyone who grows up in a family business, family restaurant business, or maybe family business as a whole, uh, that really you're, I don't want to say you're forced, but let's be honest, you're kind of forced um, to spend your weekends and your summers working there probably for less than what they might hire or pay someone for. And, um, and so I think it, it, it uh, I guess it will either create a, like a love that you're like, Oh, I want to grow into this. I want to do more. Or you're like, get me as far away from this as possible. And I, and I think that for myself, I was very much in a space of like, <sighs> I, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Um, and, but I think as well, like seeing my, like how hard of work it is, you know, I think people have this, um, illusion with, with restaurants and hospitality that it's, it's glamour, it's sexy. It's, you know, it, it's so lovely. Like it's so fun. You have, you get to eat food all the time, which I, you know, is, is funny as I feel like when I'm in the weeds and, and like, very busy like with with working in the kitchen all mm -hmm. all i ever eat is sandwiches like i'm like i don't even have an appetite and i'm just eating sandwiches food, and, yeah like sandwiches, over. sandwiches and smoothies and i'm like i don't have the strength for anything else i'm too busy yeah there's like i think there's this there's a little bit of this like fantasy illusion and so uh you know i think i saw firsthand how difficult it is how challenging it could be how hard the people are, you know, behind the scenes are working. Um, and, um, and then, you know, to be quite honest, sometimes how, how ungrateful sometimes the, the guests can be. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and it's funny because uh, you get to see so many different people. You get so many reps in, I like to say, of seeing all different kinds of people and behaviors. And you can start to see as soon as they come in, you're like, all right, this is who this is going to be today. I got gotcha. you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you, get, but, you get very good at reading people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, okay. and, uh, I think anticipating um, how to how to engage with them. It's true. So you're with your family in a small town in Indiana, and then you know high school's done. You're not going to be in the restaurant industry. You go to Ball State University, and you know what you wanted to do when you got out there. Say, so I'm going to be in marketing, and this is what I want to do. Is that what you focused on when you got there, or did you kind of fall into that? Oh no, absolutely. Yeah, I knew before like leaving for for college like even when like I was in high school I was obsessed with advertisements and magazines and uh, and not the not the editorial content in the magazines the <laughs> the advertisements the copy the design the layouts all of these things I thought was just so fascinating um and so I I think I knew kind of straight away that was the space I wanted to go into I really loved it I think it was uh exciting for me because a lot of it was just observation of consumer behavior, you know, so things you're creating, how you're creating it, the copy you're using, how you're placing all of it, the colors, you know, all of these things, like how people react when, when they see it for the first time and if it makes them buy or become a fan or not. And this is also too, this is all like pre-social media and, mm -hmm. and actually the dawn of like Google, right? So even, you know, early days of the internet, we're talking. So you see stuff like this and you don't have that instant gratification, I think like you do with social media, right? You know, you know straight away if the copy hit, if the colors are hitting, if the aesthetic is on point, right? 
so yeah, so that had always really interested me. So that was a straight away what I wanted to get into, what I wanted to do. And it certainly hadn't occurred to me to go down that path in hospitality or in restaurants per se. So you get into it, you leave, you graduate, and you have a place that you wanted to go to, right? Because you started to work right after college. How did you decide where you wanted to go? Oh, gosh. I think it was one of those like young, foolish decisions of like, oh, you know what? I want to stay. I want to stay in a city close to my boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) kind of thing. In all honesty, you know, (laughs) I think that was kind of how it started. And so I, uh, so I ended up in Indianapolis and then I was, uh, I was working in marketing down there. And also too, I was, I was cocktail waitressing as well uh, when I was down there living in the city and trying to figure it out. And yeah, it started out there, started out in marketing and in property, property development and, um, and rental. And then, uh, and then actually got into financial marketing for, um, for probably five or six years. And I, I hit a point where I was just like, I am so bored. This is draining the soul out of me. This is not what I want to do. This is, this does not make me happy. And then I happened to come down to Miami in 2007 for the Super Bowl because the Colts and the Bears are playing. You know, I grew up with the Bears. I live in Indianapolis, you know, with mm-hmm. the Colts. And so I had some friends from college that, that lived down here. So we we road tripped down, um, you know, spent the weekend, spent the week down here. Uh, and, I, you know, you can imagine coming from Indiana in the middle of what February, January, and then coming coming down here to Miami at that time, and an and an exciting ambiance of Super Bowl happening. I came back home and I was like, I called my mom right away and said, "Listen, it's really nice down there. I think <laughs> maybe I might might explore like if there's like more opportunity in a creative space with marketing that I can work in. So I might I might give it a go." And she was thrilled. Really? Her straight away, she was like, oh, I can't wait to come and visit you. I've never been to Miami. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, right? So she was excited about that. So yeah, so I moved, I moved down here to Miami 15 years ago and started working in marketing down here, actually um, marketing in events and um, just kind of, kind of grew from there. Was on my own for a while, just freelancing. Uh, doing a lot of experiential marketing for for brands, a lot of spirit brands, a lot of consumer facing brands that were doing events, sponsorship, things like that. Super fun. Loved it. Yeah. So it was very different than financial marketing. So now you're in the scene, putting on some hot events and working yeah. with the brands, right? To make sure their story gets communicated out to the, to the guests, either restaurants or hotels. Is that yeah. kind of what your life is becoming? Yeah. Super fun. You know, it's kind of hospitality adjacent, if you will, what I was doing. And so, and so that was a lot of fun. So that was, that was very cool. Yeah, I know. It's so interesting yeah. how things, how, uh, where you started, but where, where you were. That's where we're going to get back to as well. But then you, you find your footing here in Miami and you start your own company, right? It looks like in about 2011. So you're here a couple of years, you understand what's happening and how did that happen? Because that's very yeah. big jump for a lot of people. I guess you were kind of freelancing, but for someone to say, I'm going to start my own agency and get that entrepreneur itch, where, where did that come from? So yeah, so, 2000, so right around 2010, 2010, mm-hmm. about uh, uh, I think like six or seven months before I had opened, um, officially opened Social Thinking, 
I was consulting for an agency. We were doing partnerships with top 40 artists and um, consumer brands. So we were integrating consumer brands or, or, or e-commerce brands into song lyrics, into YouTube videos for product placement. Wow. And it was interesting uh, yeah. because, you know, if you were to, if you were to pay for um, a commercial to be made and air during whatever, there's some calculation of like the reach or who you might be reaching or who they're projecting is tuned in or watching or whatever else. And this is also too when, you know, data was just being wide, data was wide open for, for mm-hmm. anyone to have access to. So on YouTube at the time, you could see exactly the age demographic uh, and male, female or other who's watching, what age demo is watching, how often they're watching, who are the consumers of all of this, where do they live, you know, in the U.S., so much detail. And so it felt like you were getting a lot more um, ROI and insight mm-hmm. on, say, like an ad buy or a placement. So that was really what we were doing. We worked with a lot of very cool brands. We did some integrations with uh, Lady Gaga and Beyonce in one of their videos, J-Lo, um, a lot of stuff with Flowrider, T-Pain. That was a lot of fun. And um, this is also, too, I remember when like a tweet from Kim Kardashian only cost you $4,000. And people thought it was crazy. They were like, what? How can, <laughs> how can someone charge for that? This is insanity. Um, but yeah, so uh, so in doing all of this, you know, we're getting this integration. And I think me coming from a marketing and branding side perspective, um, I it really just felt like there needs to be more, right? Instagram was, I think, very niche at the time. Yeah. It was, you could only at that time take, pictures within the app and, and use their filter yeah. and, their, and use their filters mm-hmm. that was it so it was very it was very niche i think who was using it and so it was really all about facebook and twitter people on twitter celebrities on twitter tweeting about things and so i really wanted to have artists a little bit more involved or supportive with the brand so okay you know if we're going to integrate them into the video you know can they include a shout out on twitter can they tag them, you know, when they upload the video, you know, all of these things. And um, and then at the time as well, you know, I'm looking at Facebook and I'm seeing Facebook hadn't developed out a place for brands or businesses. So brands and businesses, mostly local mom and pop, you know, operations that don't have to answer to a higher corporate power, if you will. Right. You know, taking, seeing how many people are just using Facebook. And so they're going on there and they're going on to Facebook. There's no pages. So they're creating personal profiles, you know, for mom's burger shop and making friends on Facebook and, um, and creating like a, a following and then using that to advertise. So, uh, it was, to me, it seemed like it was very organic how brands started using Facebook. And it took Facebook a minute to catch up to say, brands and businesses are using Facebook like this, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay. and, and, and me, for me, that's kind of how it looked uh, anyway. So, so yeah, so in seeing that, um, I thought it was so awesome because it reminded me of, you know, growing up and seeing my mom's business and, and how much it fluctuated um, depending on whether or not she got pressed or whether or not, you know, 
got good reviews or, or, you know, whatever. But again, too, there's no online. There's, you know, everything is so dependent on traditional media and it was so expensive, you know, or like you had to create a cheesy video and then pay for the ad time and, or have a, you know, photo shoots were very expensive. All these things were so expensive from an advertising standpoint. So when I saw this, that's really where it clicked for me because I just thought, oh my God, you know, my mom needs to be on face, like Sonny's Korean restaurant needs to be on Facebook um, because this is like a even playing field and actually an elevated playing field because again, none of, none of these big corporate brands would even dare. I remember I was like, we would don't go on there. Don't put our brand there. We don't know what's happening there. I remember that at that time, like 2011, 12, 13. It was like, don't do anything. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, don't do anything. I thought, so I was really excited about that because, you know, I like, I love, marketing and advertising. And this just seemed like such a game changer. Wow. You know, like my mom and her small restaurant with zero advertising marketing budget can now reach people in a way that she could have never reached people before. And so many other brands and businesses doing the same thing. So this is awesome. It's really cool. So with your company, you've grown it, you've been doing it a long time. Is that, is there a certain sector you focus on or is it just every kind of company can come to you and you help them? I would say every kind of company. Um, you know, I, I still do think for social media, what people want to engage with and, and what really works really are consumer-facing brands that are cool and on trend uh, and that have stories behind them to tell and or something to sell that that ticks a box that people need. Um, so we tend to work with e-commerce-focused companies, you know, digital marketing focused companies, luxury, special events, things that really kind of target into your consumer. And I would say more specifically to a lot of times to a millennial consumer and now a Gen Z consumer. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that's I, fun. I love that you have all this background because I think it's important that we share where you came from and understand your marketing and know social media because it's going to tie into what we talk about next. So two Korean girls, is where I want to focus on. So how does that come about? Tell us, tell the listeners the 30 second on what Two Korean Girls and, and what it is, and then we'll get into how you started it. Sure. Uh, two Korean Girls is a Korean sca- scratch kitchen restaurant concept. Uh, really started in tribute and homage to uh, my mother, her wonderful food, everything else, being down here in Miami and not having Korean food. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was probably the biggest, yeah. I'm down here with 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 minimal to no options uh, on my favorite dish, which is bibimbap. And so she started, she, you know, she'd come down here. She'd teach me how to make everything. She'd ship me her sauces and seasonings. I'm having friends over, making it for them and, you know, just making it for myself as just like a comfort and, uh, you know, just a homesick, you know, kind of remedy. Uh, that's really kind of how it started. Um so is it like one night having some drinks with friends and be like, Jennifer, you should open a restaurant. You're so good with this food. Is that how it happens? Or is it more like you're thinking like, man, people seem to like this. I think I can do something and maybe do a restaurant. What's the next step, right? Because everyone has that first idea, but mm-hmm. then execute. So where does it start? And then, yeah, more like that. Where did it start? It actually never occurred to me again, too, because I know how how difficult it is and, and what it, what it takes to, to do. And so it had never occurred to me. Um, it was, I felt like somewhat kismet that, uh, it came into fruition because I was on Facebook and one of, one of my dear friends 
Um, she was running the PR at Winwood Yard when there was a Winwood Yard, and they were hosting a, a, a pitch competition for culinary concepts. And they said, okay, you can be in any stage. You can, it can be totally conceptual. It could be, you know, getting ready to launch. It could be da, 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 all of these things. You know, put together your pitch deck, send it to us. If selected, you'll present in front of, yeah, the community, developers, et cetera, all of these things. And I saw it and I was like, uh, oh, huh, I should pitch at the Bimbab concept. It just touched you like that? Like you're just like. Yeah. I said, I should pitch a, a quick service restaurant at the Bimbab concept. Um, and uh, because it, do- it doesn't exist down here uh, in Miami or South Florida. And um, doing something like creating a pitch deck in a business plan, I can do in my sleep all day. This is what, it, you know, I've been, I've, been do- I've been doing that forever. That to me is easy, right? right. Starting a restaurant is Right. That's but, uh, what I'm saying. Yeah, right. So I was, oh, okay. No, this is easy. I can put this pitch deck together in my sleep. And so, um, yeah. And so that's what I did. But did you have to make food in this competition? So for listeners, Winter Yard was an outdoor food hall with Mm -hmm. bar and live music and very bohemian. And was one of the first things that made Winwood cool, I think, along with a lot of stuff. It's now been built over because it's such a popular place and all these buildings are going up. But setting the scene for you. So you see this. You so say, I'm going to enter this competition as just a pitch deck of food? Yeah. So it was it was strictly just a pitch, like totally conceptual. When I had this idea and then I and I reached out to the PR contact, my friend, and I said, you know, I'm putting together, I'm putting something together. Uh, you know, when do you need this by? I want to I want to see if, you know, if this gets picked up. Said, yeah, sure. You know, and then I called my I called my mom because. I'm like, well, I can't, I'm not doing, I can't do that. I literally cannot do this without you. These are your recipes. These are your sauces and seasonings. You know, this is 10,000% you, your energy, your love, your, all of it. Right. And she was thrilled. She was, oh my God. Yes, of course. However I can help you, whatever you need, you know, it's all yours. Okay. All right. Great. And then my second call was to Chef Alan Susser who I'd known for probably about, um, gosh, maybe 10, eight, nine years. And Chef Allen, Chef Allen Suster, a podcast guest, one of the first 10. So he's been on the podcast. Oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. He's, he's so wonderful. I know. I, I think of him as like my restaurant dad now, but <laughs> he was, he was my second call. We had, we'd gotten to know each other for many years before mm-hmm. because we had both, um, been very involved with, uh, share our, our strengths, no kids, hungry campaign down here in, in Miami and South Florida. And, um, and so through philanthropy was, was how we have connected and, and for a number of years worked together, um, down here. And I knew he was consulting and I mean, just such a wealth of knowledge and powerhouse, like in the hospitality space. Right. So he was my second call and I was like, okay, listen, uh, I have this idea. This is the concept. I'm really, I'm just putting a deck together, but I just wanted to A, ask you, is this dumb? Tell me. Uh, so I don't waste my time. Uh, two, would this be something you'd be interested in, uh, you know, consulting on and, and, and working with us on? And he was like, well, first, you're absolutely crazy if you are even thinking about starting a restaurant. So I'll just say that. He was like, but then second is this is great. I love it. This is an awesome idea. I think this isn't, this is, this is good. This is, you know, people will understand. Like 
he straight away was like, yes, I think this is a, this is a great idea. And so I like it. So you got a James Beard award winning chef tell you first, you're crazy. But second, like, this is pretty awesome. And yeah. Help you if you need it. That's, that's yeah. pretty amazing way to start. Yeah. That's what I, I was. Okay, then. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that was really kind of how it started. Submitted a pitch deck and we got, ex- we, we got accepted to, to present at the pitch night and did that. Presented at the pitch night at Winwood Yard. And then that happened. And then we just kind of, you know, I kind of sat there for a minute and I was like, okay, now what? You know, now. Pitch, you, was there like a win? Did you get good feedback? Like what happens after you pitch? We got feedback. I don't know that we got good feedback. I'll be honest. I mean, there was no one that was like, I think we got more compliments and more interest and excitement around calling it to Korean girl than what we're selling and what we're doing. People are really fascinated and like, you know, kind of in this little tongue in cheek sort of thing. So then I think that that kind of got me thinking more in the space of maybe this needs to feel a little bit more like a lifestyle focused brand than say just food. And so this really needs to to be focused in on like what the brand story is and what the foundation of all of this is and that we create this community around the brand and oh, you know, there's this delicious food that comes along with, you know, being a part of our community kind of thing. So so really thinking more, you know, really kind of thinking like a, you know, an e-commerce brand, uh, yeah. which is, you know, I think that that's just what that's where I'm at you know that's where my head's always at and that's where things so much in marketing have always evolved to so yeah so that's kind of how it started I want to so I want to bring it back a little bit so yeah the two Korean girls name why is it two Korean girls as you're writing this pitch deck out how does that name get put down you know this is so funny I've had people tell me that this is great and then I've also had people tell me you shouldn't tell people that (laughs) (laughs) let's hear it but I think it's awesome and I, and I feel very proud of it. You know, so I get this concept deck put together and in my head, again, too, mar- thinking from a marketing perspective, okay, we cannot just, we, can, we, we, you know, we have to turn this in tomorrow. We can't just give it a name. We need to do testing. We need to see what's not trademarked. We need to, we need to get like study groups. We, you know, da, 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 a million things that we need to do before we can even come close to thinking about naming it something. And then I said, you know what? Um, it's very common in like Korean culture that when you see things translated from Hangul into English, that it's very literal and, and that they use a lot of naming very literally as well. You know, uh, like a restaurant that serves hot soup will just literally be called hot soup restaurant. And so I'm like, you know what? Let's just call it too. I'm going to put on here, you know, it, it, the big print was quick service bibimbap restaurant concept, small print, um, by two Korean girls. Because right, we are two Korean girls, so we'll just put that there. Tiny, very tiny. Maybe this is our parent company, and then we start a DBA and a da da da. And then yeah, and then we we sh- like so then we show up and they have an agenda printed, and the Winwood and then the Winwood Yard team is calling it two Korean girls. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then everyone is coming up to us and what a cool name. That's so awesome. Like, this is funny. This is great. We love the name, da, 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 all these things. And we're, we are who, is, at, who is the second Korean girl? So my sister, Michelle, right? Yeah. Yes. That's what makes so, it cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, so uh, I'm sitting there at this 
you know, like we're waiting for our turn to go up and present. And as I'm sitting there, I'm like, shit, are these, is this IP even available? We're, and we're claiming the Instagram handle, checking GoDaddy to see if the URL is available. Like, yeah. what is, what is going on? Like, oh my God, everything's available. Everything's available. Nothing's been used. Okay. This is a sign from the universe. Let's lean into this a little bit. Yeah. And so then that's what we did. And I've had so many people that are way more educated in the marketing, the science in the marketing and branding space that have come up to compliment us like on this and the the iconography around the branding and everything else and how, oh, it, it like you know, hits all these points and it, it really, you know, da, 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 da. how long did it take you guys to develop this out? And, you know, did you hire like consultants and a branding team to, you know, devise the name and make sure they hit all these points and test groups? And I'm like, uh, no, it was, <laughs> it was just, we guessed <laughs> it was, um, I didn't have anything else to put there. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love that so story. Here, and so here we are. Yeah. As oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's fine. And I, and I think it, it, it brings people, I feel like I, when I see people like engage with it or see it for the first time, like, you know, they smile and they're happy about it. And um, yeah. I think it, it, it brings people joy. And this is, I think this is part of the, the brand ethos, right? Is having more like uh, interaction and, and connection. And we will be right back. I have personally used Treyway at the Eden Rock Hotel and Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel. Trayaway has finally solved the age-old problem of dirty room service trays cluttering the hotel hallways. It is affordable and easy to use. Guests and staff love it. They will even send you a free product kit so you can try it before you buy it. Use promo code TURK10 for a 10% discount on all Trayaway products and services. And now, back to the show. So now you, you finish the pitch, but you still have a full-time job. Like, all right, you had some fun. You and your sister created this pitch deck. You got Chef Allen, who's great chef, liking it. But what happens next? Like, how does it go to the next step of actually start creating food? Because there was no food that day. It was just no. ingredients and pictures and an idea. So what happens after that? Yeah. So it was, I'd say it was stalled for probably about, uh, well, I use the word stalled, but it was on the back burner for about three years after that. Um, in that, in those. What was it, like 2016, 17? Like, when did you do that pitch? Yeah. So we, if we launched in 2020 and it was three years before 2017, so it's probably okay. like 2017 that we did that. And then, um, yeah, so it was on the back burner for a, a number of years. And, and during that time, the free time that I would have, I was developing out what is, what is the brand identity? What is the logo? What does this need to look like? So I was kind of very slowly kind of developing out what this should be. And then really, I think it was in like, uh, and, and very shortly after that, learning and reading more about ghost kitchens and dark kitchens. So this is 2018. And the idea of it was people did not have any idea about this. Um, and for me, I thought it was very cool because, and, you know, again, too, I'm, I'm like always thinking with a PR and marketing hat. And this is very cool because no one's talking about this or doing this. And so this is a awesome PR angle that I can, you know, leverage. Um, also too, it, it could potentially be an easier route or uh, less financial risk in terms of, of bringing this to life or at least bringing a proof of concept to life. So from the beginning, we, you know, really leaned into creating a digitally native brand. 
um, and really thinking of how some of the more popular e-commerce brands that started out, you know, digital first, and then actually a lot of them went brick and mortar, like Glossier or Warby Parker. You know, how did how did they do it? What was you know the magic behind all of this? And so much of it was in um, the packaging and the experience that they created, uh, which was somewhat unheard of at the time. You know, e-commerce was 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 growing and it was taking off, but you know, you'd order something, it would come like some, you know, still in like wrapped in plastic, you know, with a receipt inside there and a, you know, undescript brown box and we're done here. You know, like you ordered, that's what you ordered. And I, and I think I'm sure there were others, but I feel like Glossier is one that just sticks out to me so much that really just created such an experience and a culture around their brand to the point where, you know, uh, millennial females and I'm sure males are ordering it just so that they can put it on their Instagram story. You know, it's coming in this awesome, thoughtful packaging. It's, you know, you feel like you're getting a present when it arrives and, uh, and, and everyone is just organically taking video of it and posting it to share on social media to see like my glossier package came and Mm -hmm. that was also too i think kind of starting that whole dawn of um like unpacking um, unboxing unboxing videos right um and so i and i thought oh my god like this is so like this is so cool you know if you're and if you're going to be a, a digitally native or ghost kitchen like type of restaurants we have to be doing the same thing, right? Because uh, if someone's coming into a restaurant, there's so many touch points for the experience. You know, it's the visual, you know, of the entry when they're coming in. There's the first person that talks to them or greets them. And then, you know, there's so many other touch points. Sound, inside. Smell, lighting. Yeah. Yep. Before you've even tasted the food, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that was a big part of, okay, well, this is, we, this is, we have to be able to do this in order to grow the brand, um, in order to get persons to support us and interested. Because in my head, I I was like, okay, I've got my mother and her recipes, her sauces and seasonings she's been making and has, you know, cult-like following in her town, you know, of Korean food. The food's going to be on point. Not worried about that. I have Chef Allen um, who will make sure that, you know, we're running a successful operation. Everything's good. We're using highest quality ingredients, all these things. So um, I just need to, so I need to get the people in to taste the food. Yeah. So the, how the food was going to taste and what that was going to be like the least of my concerns, because I knew that that was going to be solid. Uh, But that also too was kind of funny how that evolved as well, because then when it came full circle and it was time for us, you know, to launch, you know, we, you know, we were thinking digitally native third-party apps were always on the rise. And then when the pandemic happened, I mean, their numbers shot through the roof in terms of um, of usage and, and what that was looking like. So it seemed like an opportunity uh, in the sense that if there were ever a time for us to test out this proof of concept is, you know, and, and have people that are so captively ordering takeout and delivery, now might be the time. Um, and so that's kind of what like brought it full circle to like, okay, it's time. <laughs> so 2020. Before the pandemic or during the pandemic, you decide to launch a digitally native restaurant or ghost brand or virtual brand? Yeah, during. So I think it was probably like that summer I had just given, you know, we, I had had the branding and everything kind of solidified. 
okay, um, this is done and ready. We've got, you know, we, we didn't, we weren't doing anything on social media. We didn't have content and it wasn't time. It didn't make sense, but we had all of the, we had all the things that we needed in terms of digital identity. Yeah. And so then summer, okay. I think this, I think this could, the timing could be right. And so then that was when we officially engaged Chef Allen to help us with this. And I remember our first meeting and he asked, okay, what's on the menu? And I said, we're quick service. We want to, it's like this quick service feed in pop contest. It's okay. Well, what else is on the menu? Like nothing else is on the menu. We don't need anything else on the menu. We, (laughs) we only, we just need this. It's just this one, this one thing. This is all, this is all we need to sell. We don't have to sell anything else. He's like, um, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can't open a restaurant like that. So let's start with that. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. We'll go back to the drawing board. So, um, so we spent some time, uh, with my mother developing out some different bowl concepts. Um, but I'm still keeping the menu very concise. And I think, um, yeah, doing this, you can't do this in person, right? Because during the pandemic, is she in person or is this on computer? Like, how are you coming up with these? Yeah, it's with, yeah this would, well, so a lot of it was virtual. Um, but mm-hmm. then when we had to do actual like recipe and menu testing, like I flew to Indiana uh, and we worked out of her kitchen and. Um, was Chef Allen too? No Chef Allen, right? Yeah. So, so it was just. Uh, give you some homework. Says we need some more recipes. You can't open up yep. with one bowl. Yeah. You need. I know, right? <laughs> Right. You can't open a one bowl. So <laughs> give me some more recipes and we'll talk. So you go back yep. to the lab, you get in the lab yep. with the mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we developed out uh, a five, five different bowl. Um, so the original uh, pecan bop bowl, one with fish, one with impossible meat, uh, one with spicy chicken, uh, one we're using like this uh, vegan lentil protein. So a um, couple of plant-based bowls and sorting out as well too okay what are the snacks what else is going to be on here yeah it started went to work on it from that and then uh we had an awesome opportunity to uh share someone's kitchen in coconut grove so that we could test out the concept and when we met uh you know he says to me oh i want to come back i'm gonna come back so that's an exciting oh. part so i'm gonna come back so you get your food you uh, got the menu right uh, so all right mom we got it chef allen you like this menu is that kind of how it goes and he goes yeah, I could work with this, or is he like, all right, we're getting there? A little bit of both. Okay. I think he was. I think he was happy with that. It was simple. It was there was a lot of cross utilization. Um, the focus still was very much on you know fresh ingredients um, and uh, and and just very just like simple seasonings that were authentic. I think to the culture, mm-hmm. uh, but that were just it, you know focused more on. Um, quality and flavor right you get your menu so was, you, you all agree yeah, he was happy mm-hmm. and then we say all right i think we got to cook this somewhere i can't do it in my house right? so <laughs> what happens next how do you find this kitchen yeah so chef allen was he was really instrumental in in helping us sort out what would be the right place and space for us considering our stage and time and budget and things of where we're at and so um we had an opportunity to share kitchen in coconut grove uh, and the chef that was there when, when we had our, and I had sent, like he had seen our menu and, you know, we'd shared and we're kind of talking and we're, we're having conversation, you know, to kind of move it forward. And we're probably like timeline wise, maybe, maybe 30 or 45 days from when we would like to go live 
And he mentions, um, you know, have you thought of doing a Korean fried chicken? People really like Korean fried chicken. And I was like, no, um, because my, our, our mom never made that for us. Yeah. yeah. Like our mom doesn't make Korean fried chicken. And I was like, also too, like that's, and it's like, you know, it's, it's a new thing. Like, it's like, it became popular because of actually because of America, you know, it's, it's why it's popular. And then it became super popular because of K-drama. I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, let me think I, yeah. about it. I just wanted my one bowl and Chef Allen made me do the rest of this. Okay? <laughs> yeah. And now you want me to do chicken. What is going on? But I think as well, too, as we, everything we were designing needed to travel well. And there's nothing more disappointing than ordering fried food via delivery and it's showing up, you know, yes. soggy. And uh, so I was like, I'd rather we just don't. We just didn't. But uh, we went to, I was like, oh, let's, we'll try, we'll test. So I was actually testing it in my kitchen, you know, different methods and different ways of, of how we might prepare it um, that was authentic um, to the style, um, but also to would fit what we needed for delivery. And, uh, and then I think we got something and then, um, implemented and implemented it into the menu before we launched, but yeah, but it was, it wasn't even, it wasn't even in our first round, our first photo shoot that we did because it wasn't even on the menu. It was twinkle in our eye, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so you've, you've got your menu. I want to make sure I get this. You got your menu, you've got your mm -hmm. kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. And you've signed up for Uber Eats and I guess DoorDash and things like that yep. to make sure that you could sell with, and you put your address and the pictures on there. So I know you with the marketing eye, everything looked good. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to tell listeners really about the first, like I met you, so we'll get to that part of the story, but your packaging, was it always how it looked when I met you or was it something that you built on? Similar. Yeah. Okay. So actually... I have what the original packaging looked like. So it was still the same like square Happy Meal type box. The design wasn't as developed as the next version of it. Got it. Yeah. So for, yep. for listeners, I would just tell you if you're driving, don't do this now. But if you're walking, pull up your Instagram, <laughs> take a look at their, the two Korean girls on Instagram. You'll see what we're talking about because it, it leads me to my next question. So you've got everything signed up. You've got this awesome packaging and you go live. Do you remember day one? Yeah. What happens? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was definitely like a, I mean, I don't know what I expected. So I shouldn't say like, oh, it's nothing like I had expected, right? But, um, you know, just because you go live on the platforms means nothing um, because it's it, you're, like you don't have enough built up behind the, behind your algorithm and your listing for it to even show up. That you're even in the area. There was times we were even searching it. Um, but yeah, that first day we opened and we had it, we did have a small email list. And so, you know, we had and friends and we were promoting it on social media and targeting on social media. I think we probably did maybe five, six orders that first that first night we opened. How many of them were your friends? Probably all of them. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably all of them. And I'm like, is it on? Is it not working? Is the store closed? Did we accidentally close the store online? Like, what's happening? What's going on? And so we're like, okay, that's okay. But um, yeah, and I and I remember too, like, you know, we're all in the kitchen and you know, we've got the you know, the bump screen the and everything yeah. is up. Yeah, printer's up. And the first the and we're just kind of okay, 
you know, it's, we open at five o'clock. It's five o'clock. Nothing happens. Okay, it's all right. Okay, it's five o'clock. It's whatever. And then I think it was probably 20 or 30 minutes later, that first order comes in. And we're, oh my, oh my God, you guys, you guys, everybody, everybody, everybody. We did it. We did it. We, we, we did it. We did it. Oh my God, it's here. We did it. We did it. And Chef Alan's like, okay, well, now you got to make the food. Like, make like, no. <laughs> We're like, oh yeah, that's right. Okay, all right, good thinking. And it was you. Were you making it? Was yeah, you guys we, making it? Yeah, we we had a we had a chef that was working with us that was uh, doing a lot of things like on like the the hotline and a lot of our prep work and, and working alongside us. But uh, we were very much in the kitchen, you know, building the bowls, packaging the things, working with the chefs, and then packaging and putting everything together and doing the handoff. And you're like, you know, don't because- mess this box up, delivery driver. <laughs> right. <laughs> We didn't know. We, I think it's, uh, you know, we, we, the, the only doubt or, uh, I think that we ever had was whether or not Korean food would be something that the Miami market would want, you know, because mm-hmm. for so long, there's not a whole lot of options here. And is that by, is that, is there a reason why? Is it because the market just doesn't want it? You know, it's not a thing. So that was very exciting. It was really awesome. And, um, I think it was really important for us to be, um, in there and, and doing this hands-on because I think uh, we're, this is a whole new space of, of really just being in a complete, you know, ghost kitchen, you know, digitally native space. It was important that we were there to see and feel and go through all of the things that we needed to go through. Yeah. So uh, for listeners, I just want to clarify ghost kitchen. How would you explain a ghost kitchen to someone who doesn't know what that is? Sure. It, it's a restaurant concept that lives 100% online. So there is no storefront. Um, you can't go sit down. You can't dine in there. You can't walk up and order, usually. You can only order off of their website or off of Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub. One of these. Things. Got it. Perfect. And I love this idea. And I was obsessed with it at that time. So before the pandemic even hit, I was building out a concept at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel, which they wouldn't let me do. And so I remember thinking all these other restaurants doing it. I was like, man, I, I need to do something like this. So you're doing it for a while. And what happens? You start growing because you're doing well. More orders start coming in. And then when you and I met, I'm curious because I think that was like, you still were Ghost Kitchen. And we met June of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. So things are going well there at the kitchen, you know, growing nicely for a ghost kitchen. We had some amazing partners we were working with that were helping now operate and execute. So, uh, you know, so I wasn't going to the grocery store every day. <laughs> we weren't, we, we were running out of food and, and, and running to the grocery store every day. Um, you know, I think it, it was probably about a, uh, it felt like a very long six, six or six or seven months of I think finding that rhythm but it was I think it was all very like you know worthwhile in terms of getting there and then we had an amazing operator and partner um that was handling all of those things and so uh that was when you know for us we felt like okay we feel like the proof of concept is is developed uh Miami has spoken they like us okay, cool. What's next for the evolution of the brand? And so, um, and again, too, I think like a lot of, and, and not to say that we're, you know, we're, we're fully there just yet, but, but now it's okay. Well, maybe we should look at an in-person experience. Maybe now we go brick and mortar. 
you know, we go in the other direction. So we tested that out um, actually in Chicago as well. So we did a six-month pop-up there um, at a place that you could go sit down and have full service and cocktails and everything else. And then, um, and then, yeah, and then actually, I think it was, I was chatting with Linda about some other things um, that were happening like with the agency side and with the Lowe's and an event and all, all of the, 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 the. And Linda's director of public relations for Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel and other Lowe's. So shout out to Linda. Yeah. Linda's awesome. She's awesome. And yeah, and she's, you know what? Congratulations on two Korean girls. Like we should, we should talk about doing something together. And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. And then, um, and so then, oh, okay. Maybe this is, this is another opportunity for us to test coming full circle. So yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that that was that was how we connected. That's how we that's how we met. Uh, yeah. So on my side, I remember it pretty clear because Linda's like, you know, she knew that I wanted to do more ghost kitchen type stuff. She's like, hey, you can oh, talk to my okay. friend. They have this restaurant called Two Korean Girls. I'm like, what? What name is it? What are you talking about? <laughs> and she's like, just check them out. Just you should meet them. And I remember reaching out to you all, and we set up this meeting. And then for listeners, I I just wanted to explain kind of how this goes down. So. Jennifer and her sister, the two Korean girls, show up. And I didn't real realize it was two sisters. And they come in with Chef Allen, so the James Beard Award-winning chef with them. We walk into our signature restaurant. And, you know, I have the hotel manager and the GM's like, Steve, this is a crazy idea. I'm not even going to join you for this. Like, have some fun kind of thing. But then you all show up. Beautiful packaging. I still remember the packaging to this day. I kept it in my office at that hotel. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember. And... <laughs> I remember opening, this is where I think people can learn from of how important branding is because you only lived online. There's no place for you to go and see it, but your box told your story. And when you opened up the box, they even had Korean newspapers that were the wrapper for the food. And I still remember that choice that you all made because I felt like I was taken to a place in Korea because I saw that, that daily newspaper from that city or wherever it might be. I just remember thinking that. And then when I got to the food, everything was beautifully packaged. You know, it was very fun. They had, you know, egg on the bowl, but it was shaped in a heart and there was star glitter on it and <laughs> all these fun things that come along with the food. And I remember inviting the gym. I said, you got to come down and just see this. And he stayed the whole, he ate everything. <laughs> <We're> going, <laughs> well, I'm not going to do anything to eating everything. He's like, all right, Steve, go for it. Go make something happen. And so I always was slightly bummed that, yes, I became an entrepreneur again. And I didn't get to see your project all the way through on my end, but I did see some photos that you guys made it there uh, in the end, but I wish I would have been there with you all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same, same. No. Yeah. The Lowe's team is is awesome. They're super great. We had so much fun. We did uh, the Korean New Year celebration there with you guys. I was, uh, that was a really good time and such a great staff and, yeah. and, and beautiful place. But, so you kept, you kept growing it and tell us what you're doing now with the brand. Sure. So, um, so we are still growing from a ghost kitchen standpoint. Um, actually, I think we're launching um, a, a kitchen next week with our operating partner in Brickell. Um, so we'll be operating out of Edgewater and Brickell in terms of ghost kitchen location. And then we also have a pop-up uh, brick and mortar at the Shelbourne Hotel in South Beach. And so that's been a lot of fun because that's been, that's, we've, you know, had a place we can actually invite people into um, create events and like do other things and really kind of, um, be in closer contact with people as well in terms of creating hospitality and an experience, uh, rather than, you know, 
um, seeing something online and having a, a, a totally virtual conversation. You know, the food is going, you know, from the kitchen, 50 feet being set that we can actually, how is everything, what's going on, you know. So I think it's been really rewarding. It's been great. Uh, I think that um, it also too kind of gives us a lot of proof in in wanting to move forward with a brick, uh, with a, uh, other brick and water locations as well. And so we're in development for that now. I love it. I'm I'm proud of you because you know I've seen it not from the beginning, but I feel like pretty early on to where you are now. I love seeing the, all that's the pretty. That's very uh, very early on. <laughs> yeah, I love seeing where you're at now, and so. You know, Jennifer, you've given so much time and information that I think a lot of people will learn from. But I want to ask you a question. So if you were going back to young Jennifer at the Ponderosa filling up the buffet and she happened to be on your team right now, starting out in hospitality, what advice would you give young Jennifer if she was starting today? You know, I would just say try to find the, the always remember to take away a, a positive learning experience from everything that you do, you know. Even if it was, it was hard, it was shitty, it was something you never want to do again. What did we learn? What did we learn? How did we grow from this? You know, what did this add to us, you know, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, uh, you know, never, never forget that because I think that all these little things and all these experiences personally and professionally all kind of create who we are and, and evolve us and our skill set. And so I think being able to appreciate uh, the good, all the good and the bad things that you learn and come along the way, it just makes such a bit, makes such a difference, right? That's true. I think that's great advice and a great place to end our conversation. Jennifer, I appreciate you taking the time for your listeners. How can they connect with you if they would like to? Uh, you can connect with us on Instagram or TikTok at two Korean girls. So it's the number two Korean girls. Make sure to check them out. It will definitely put a smile on your face and the food is fantastic. So make sure to support them. And Jennifer, thanks again for being on the show. Oh, thanks. My pleasure. This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome.